0: Turn your Bibles to uh, the book of John and find chapter 10. You don't have to, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, the, the, it will appear on the screen as if by magic in a moment or so. As Tom said, uh, we're going to do things, we are are already doing things a little bit different this evening than how we normally would. Uh, We normally meet here on a Sunday morning, I'm sure many of you have already been here, I know there's a few people that I don't think have been around us, so welcome to you. Uh, We're normally here at half ten on a Sunday morning, but there are a few dates this year where there are other bookings in this venue so we need to move around a little bit. And I thought because we're here in the evening and there's a few less people because uh, lots of people with kids so only one person can get here and all of that, I thought why don't we do something a little bit different this evening and um, and and talk a little bit about our story as a church because again for some of you, for many of you, you're, you're new amongst us and lots of people ask me questions about, oh tell me about the church, how did you start? you know, when did you move here, how long has this thing been going, how do you end up in a place like this, Uh, so I thought what I would do is just share a little bit of our story, um, and and hopefully it will speak to you as well at the same time, and will be a blessing to to all of us in lots of different ways, Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read from John chapter 10, and then I'll pray. So there's just a few, few verses from John 10. It says, truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you're our good shepherd. All of us in different ways have been lost, sheep lost in the field, in danger, And we thank you for those of us who would call ourselves Christians, followers of you, Jesus, believers in you. We know that you've rescued us, that our great shepherd, our great high priest has gathered us in. You've drawn us into your family, into your kingdom, into your purposes, into your plans. You've saved us out of the mess, the traps that we've got ourselves into. You've saved us and set us free. We thank you for that this evening. We pray you'd speak to us tonight. You come and do good to the very depths of our souls. Amen. Amen. So what I'm gonna do is just kind of, not waffle, but uh, kind of ramble through the story um, just of, of who we are as a church, how we got here, um, I hope it doesn't seem self-indulgent, I, it, it's not really, it's just to try and give you guys a bit of a, a picture, so for, um, uh, uh, Joes is my wife Joe down here, um, yeah. <laughs> we, we moved here, is, are you going to do that all the way through? Because <laughs> oh, I didn't get that, she got that, I didn't get that. Uh, we moved here um, <laughs> two, and a half, two and a half years ago, Coming up to three years ago. And we, we, we moved here to, to Amsterdam from Brighton, which is a town, uh, small city on the south coast of England. And we moved here to to start this church, this is why we came. Uh, and that all kind of, there's a much longer story of how we got to that place of deciding to move here. Let me tell you just a little bit, just to kind of help paint the picture. Uh, in 2011, so six years ago, uh, Joe and I were in a place where we were saying to God, "What do you have next for us?" You sometimes hit those moments in your life when you you feel like you're at a crossroads, uh, and you think, "Oh, well, I wonder where, which direction we should go in?" And we didn't really know. So we were praying, and we were praying for quite a long time, for maybe about a year, of asking God, uh, what, "What do you have next for us?" We're not we're not entirely sure. And then God sp- broke in quite suddenly and powerfully and within the space of, we were away at a, a, like a, a, a conference, an event together, and within the space of 24 hours, three different people, um, all completely unconnected, all who knew nothing of what we were praying about, they all came to us and said, God wants to speak to you about moving to, to Europe. Now, if you're in England, you know, the whole Europe thing is confusing, but to, like, mainland continental Europe um, is what, what people said to us. And we thought, well, it seems, you know, when three different people all say the same thing, in the space of 24 hours, you think, maybe God's trying to say something here. And one of them said to me a really interesting thing. He, he said, um, it, it's kind of like a, a sign that God was gonna bring change into our lives He said, you're going to find, wherever you go, you're going to find loose change, coins, on the street. And I thought, what? Are you crazy? Um, But then all of a sudden, literally everywhere I went, I started finding coins on the street. Within within the space of about two years, I I collected them all. Every time I found one, I collected it. And uh, I found 484 coins, just like everywhere I went. And these would be like, you know, just pennies or a pound. I mean, English money here. Sometimes I found notes, you know, like a 10 pound note. I just found money everywhere, everywhere I went. It was remarkable. And it, and it was a, a, a kind of a, because there were moments when, when f- having God spoken to us about moving, there were lots of moments when I thought, did that, did that really happen? Should we really do that? You know, are we serious? Are we really gonna move our whole family to a completely different country and a completely different city? But all the time, God was, kept reminding me, no, I'm gonna bring change into your life. There's uh, an, a new adventure for you to go on. So we, we, we packed up our house, and uh, we've got four daughters, and the six of us, we got in our car, and we just drove here, because you can do that from England we drove here, and we drove, it takes about eight hours, you go through four different countries, and we didn't even need to show our passport once, (laughs) we just sort of kind of arrived, and then, oh, well, we're here now, Um, and at the time, that was was the church, that was just the six of us, and we began to kind of gather people in, and uh, for the first sort of year, 18 months, we had three goals, three kind of main aims, first of all was just to get our family settled. There were two other families that moved with us from England, Tom and Chloe and their boys, and Simon and Lottie and their boys, and now a daughter that's since arrived after they've moved. Um, and, but the, our, our primary aim was just to get our kids settled in school and for them to learn the language and to make friends. That was kind of aim number one. Number two was just to begin to form a bit of a, a team, a church planting team to come and join with us to help get started. And, and the th- and with both those things, the first two, there were, there were lots of ups and downs. There was lots of challenges. We had an, another family who were with us right from the start who had to kind of pull out of what we were doing from a family kind of emergency that sprung up. We had... Uh, uh, Len got seriously ill, was in a medically-induced coma for about 48 hours. And uh, there, there were all sorts of challenges that came our way. Uh, and, we th- and we were aware that... Um, Uh, the the, the Christian life, you know, it's not like a battle. It it is a battle. And we were aware, goodness, if we're gonna get this church started, there's some battles, there's some fights, there's some challenges that we are gonna have to go through and we're going through at that time. So we had some challenges with those two getting our families settled and forming a team to join us. And then our, our third goal was just which we're still working out is just to learn, to learn as much about this city as we can. Um, because I, I, we didn't want to come in here and say, oh, well, we know, we know how it's gonna work, we know how to reach this city. We didn't want to come in with a big kind of plan, a big idea, we had dreams. But we really wanted to just find out, well, what's gonna to work to help us to reach this city? What's this city like? What are the, what are the people here like? How, what, what makes them tick? Because you find that, you know, cities kind of have personalities of their own. And where I come from in England is different from here. And where most of you guys are from is probably a bit different from here as well. So we wanted to learn and explore. You know, and obviously one of the, the first things that you learn, I'm sure you're probably picking up already, is that we live in one of the most secular cities on the planet. By secular I mean in their um, secular means that you don't believe in God of any sort, of any God, any faith, any belief. So on, on any, any given Sunday, day like today, somewhere around only one or 2% of people in our city would would go to church. Um, 14% of this city is, is Muslim. Um, I don't know how many would be practicing uh, Islam, but uh, there are there probably more people on, uh, on a weekend going to a mosque in this city than, than coming to a church. 60% of this city would say that they're not religious at all. They've got no faith, any, even any kind of historic family belief, anything, they'd say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in anything. Um, but the thing is, what you find is in this city is that, I don't know about you, I don't find I'm facing lots of hostility, lots of uh, anger, lots of people shouting me down most of the people we talk to just, they, they can't really make head nor tail of it. You're, you're doing what? You're starting a church? People say things to me like, so are you, are you building a building? Like, <laughs> well, they just can't get their heads around why anybody would move here to start something that died 50 years ago. You know, the original congregation that built this building and uh, worshiped here, uh, they stopped worshiping here in 1977, 40 years ago and this church ceased to have a, have a purpose, really. You know, A church is only a church as a building when it has a church, a community of God inside it. So for many people, Christianity died out 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and is a relic of the past. So when you turn up and say, hey, we're here to start a church, they think, what, that can't be possible. It's like we've kind of jumped off a time machine from a different era in history and suddenly showed up. Um, and, and you find all the, the time that one of the challenges we face is this, um, what you could call, um, a, it's kind of a plausibility problem. So a friend of mine, he wrote a paper about this. He said, the suggestion that Christianity, Christianity might be relevant for a secular person is a foreign idea to the Dutch mindset. So for people in our city, it's like, it's like trying to, if you've never read any, any Tolkien, trying to explain to them Lord of the Rings or trying to explain to them Star Wars if they've never watched it. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. It's all a bit weird, a bit sci-fi, it's a bit crazy. And trying to explain what, what we believe is kind of similar. It's just this thing that's arrived from a different age, a different time. But yet, you find with people that there's still a bit of a hunger in people. There's st- people are still searching. People are still looking. So at our previous venue before we were here, we met at a place called the Mirror Center, which is a kind of a community center dance school place. And the, one of the, there were several things about it that were bizarre, but one of the main bizarre things is you'd walk through the front door, and there was a, a Buddha, like kind of a four-foot high Buddha, just sitting there by the door. And you think, oh, hello, what, who are you, what are you doing here? And then there were a few kind of scattered around the building, they had a kind of a meditation room up the top that had a whole family of interesting gods of various different, different makes. Um, but the thing is, the bizarre thing was that the, I met the, the owners, the people that ran the place, and they weren't Buddhists at all. <laughs> I thought, why do you have Buddhas in your building if you're not Buddhists, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, they, uh, many people in this city are very similar, that they actually are searching for something. They're searching. They're trying to find something, and they may be looking in here, or they may be looking to some kind of bizarre ideas. But there's a, there's a hunger. People are searching, and partly that's because, because of this. This is a David Foster Wallace. He wasn't a Christian at all. He was he was an odd guy, but he wrote this, and it was this is spot on. He said, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And he's right. In our city, everywhere, in lots of different ways, people are worshiping all sorts of different things. They're hungry, they're, they're consuming and desiring, trying to make find things to make them feel happy, to make them satisfied, to give them some sense of joy, some fulfillment, some purpose. And the thing is, what our city has pursued and gone after is, is I guess you could the best way to describe it would be a kind of secular humanism. To be secular is to to be without God, and to be a humanist is to say the most important thing is is me, is 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 it's not a, a, a higher being or a kind of another cause. The most important thing about is what I want and what I want to happen and my dreams, my plans, my purposes. So um, a humanist will say, well, I'm the most important thing. I can achieve whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can be free. This is a whole kind of movement of ideas that came out of the sort of Middle Ages, about the time of the Reformation, sort of 500 years ago. And initially, humanism was, it was a fight for independence and throwing off kind of oppressive governments and oppressive religions. So the French Revolution, that's, that's humanism in, a, in action. That's saying we don't need kings deciding our fate anymore. We don't need royalty. We don't need any sort of higher power that we've not elected governing us. We get to choose. We get to decide. And there's lots about humanism that's, that's not necessarily bad. Many of the kind of early humanists were Christians. Erasmus, who was a contemporary of Martin Luther in the Reformation, he was a Christian, uh, um, he was a humanist as well. Uh, I could talk about that for ages and get sidetracked, but I should stop. But wh- the, what I'm, the point I'm trying to get to is humanism came out of a perhaps a good place of trying to throw off kind of oppressive powers but it, what, where it came to was a, a point of saying, well, to find freedom for the, for the individual, for me, to find freedom, then that means I have to be in charge of everything. But where it comes to actually is, uh, you get a, what happens is a freedom from freedom itself. So um, GK, G.K. Chesterton, he said this, about 100 years ago, he said in freeing ourselves from Christianity, he's commenting on, upon humanism, in freeing ourselves from Christianity, we've only freed ourselves from freedom. And my point is, as we learn this city, what you notice, what you discover is, is that everybody, or many people, not just tourists, but people like us who've moved here, they, they come here to pursue a freedom to pursue their dream. Maybe that's why you're here, to pursue a desire, a purpose, a plan. And people come here for weekends. You know, if you've ever flown on a plane here from Germany or from England on a Friday, it's just full of young men and women just wanting to have a pie, have a good time. Do all the things that they probably would feel like they're not allowed to do at home, but they can come and do here. They can come and kind of use and abuse this city. and. You know, probably, maybe the best way to describe this city is actually the kind of the city tourist logo. I'm sure you've seen it on um, Museum Pline and at the airport where it says, I Amsterdam, right? You go to and take your picture at the sign and gone and clambered on top. I've done that. You go and stand on top. It says, I Amsterdam, or I am Amsterdam. And it's a clever piece of branding, but what it's, what it's saying is the message it's trying to get out is... You're the most important person. Come to our city and fulfill everything you want to do. Come to our city and try and make yourself happy. Come to our city and, and find your satisfaction here. Because the most important thing is keeping you happy. And that's the message it's saying. You can come to our city and you can do that. Um, but the thing is, I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever looked at that sign. They even do it the the I can't remember how the colours work, but the you know, that I am, Amsterdam is in a different color and <laughs> I look at that and it reminds me of some, some verses. Let me just read them to you. This is John chapter four. It says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. This is Jesus is having a conversation at a woman to a woman at a well. It's a famous story, you should read it. A Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He's saying, I am the Messiah, your savior who's come. Says this in John six, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. (laughs) That's powerful stuff. Says in John eight, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? People all the time coming to our city because they want to they fulfill their thirst, their hunger, they want light and fun. And they, people, think that, people think that walking, that Christianity is this thing from the, the, the dark ages. That because we live in a rational age now that we found the light. But Jesus is saying, it's not true. If you wanna walk in the light, you need to understand this, that Jesus is the light of the world. Let's go on, it says in John 11, Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? John 14, we could go on all day, maybe we should. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And then the passage that we read at the start. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep or I am the gates. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We have that verse right there, that's on the front of our website. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We, <laughs> it might not really seem like I'm telling much of our story here, but we call ourselves Liberty Church because this is true. And what our city says is a lie. Okay, this, this is true. This, this is how you have life and have it to the full, is finding Jesus, the true I am. That's how you find liberty. So that's why we call ourselves Liberty Church, to say to a city that's searching for liberty and freedom, actually your desire is good, the way you're looking for it is wrong. If you come here, come and meet our savior, then you'll find liberty, freedom. Then you'll have life to the full. You'll have life life at its richest and fattest, its most abundant. So let me get back to our story. Um, having decided upon this name, we, we, we started, uh, we, first of all we met in our apartment. We live in Vatakhrasmir in the east of the city. We started to gather people in our home that arrived sort of 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and we'd, uh, we'd worship together, we'd have a meal together and the kids would make all sorts of noise, our neighbors would think what on earth is going on, but we had a really fun time. We moved to uh, Christchurch, a venue in the city center. Look, there we are, hey, that was the church at the time. Uh, Christchurch is in, uh, bit, another church in the center of the city, we borrowed their kind of loft space. Just a, a few of us really gathered there. And then we started meeting at, uh, at the, the Mirror Center, which I've already told you about, some of you would have been there. And uh, we started meeting there in October 2015, and we had 25 people, including kids. That was everybody, 25. Um, and, and to be honest, the, the early stages of getting the church started were, it was, a, it was a snail's pace, all right? You know, snails, they don't go very quick. And that's, that's what it was like. Things happened slowly. Things took time. And about this time as well, Joe and I, we, had our, we, we don't have a car. We own a, a bike. A, like a backfeet, you know, you chuck all the kids in the th- That's how we get them to school. That's how we do the shopping. It's like our people carrier thing. They're, they're great bikes. And it was stolen from outside our house. They came in the middle of the night, cut through the chain and took it away. And we stupidly hadn't got it insured. And they cost like 1,700 euros or something. And we're like, what have we done? Um, this was about this time we started meeting in the Mirror Center. This is October 2015. And, uh, and, and we thought, well, what do we what do we do? <laughs> so we, we prayed. Um, we'll will all come back together in a minute. But we, we, we were praying, two things we were praying about, lots of things we were praying about. But I was, I was, I was praying that we get our bike back. Uh, and I was, I was praying that, that God would grow the church. But things really were moving at a real, a real snail's pace. And, um, and I got cross about it in a, hopefully in a godly way, I don't know if it was a very, very godly way, but about almost exactly a year ago, so in January last year, we'd started at the Mirror Center in October with 25 people, and then in January, we still had 25 people, and we'd been there four months, and we're thinking, what is going on? So I wrote a, a, a message to our team, and we, we, we had one small group, we met, and we had dinner, and we had a great time, and I said, look, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that anymore, we're gonna do this, I said, only by prayer, or this church be planted. The only thing that will change this city is an enduring and steadfast commitment to prayer. If we want the church to be the heartbeat of this city, the, then prayer must be the heartbeat of the church. So we did that, we, just, we started to pray. We canceled our, our midweek group and we just prayed together. And some weeks there'd be just four of us on a, on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, whenever it was, praying. And we, we just kept doing that week after week. We just kept praying. Um, but, but even then the, you think like oh we've made this great radical step but even then sometimes it doesn't God doesn't automatically go aha the, you've you've unlocked the magic door now the blessing will come <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work like that and God still had some some things he wanted to to, to do with us and, and I, I, I personally hit a bit of a, a low ebb and uh, I've told this story to some of you before, but some of you won't know. I hit a bit of a low ebb, and I write a, a journal, which I write in every now and again, not every day, but f- reasonably regularly. And, and I wrote this, and uh, just understand, I was at a low ebb. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm not going to quote all of it, because it will—it might scare you, but I wrote this. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote, I feel so blunted and so inadequate, so little that I've done, seems to have worked. So few of my prayers seem to have answered. And then what I did is I went to Habakkuk, because if you're in a bad mood, just read Habakkuk, all right? It's just the place to go, because he was a grumpy guy. So I said, I feel much like Habakkuk this morning, and then I read this. It says, this is Habakkuk one, verse two. This is Habakkuk speaking. He says, "O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? And that was my prayer. <laughs> All right? That was... And then, uh, then God answered because it says in verse five, this is God's reply. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told you know, we, we, we look at what's happening around us, what's happening in our lives, and we think, well, there, this is happening, so that therefore equates that God is doing only this or is only doing that. And we miss sometimes the grand scale of what God's doing all over the earth, but even all the things he's doing in our life that we're just barely even aware of. Yes. All that God's at work doing that we barely even notice. And then Habakkuk, the end of Habakkuk is just, Amazing! It says this. This is it's so helpful. These verses, as though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines; the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So, what it's saying is, even even if there's no food, even if everything—that's what the verses before are saying. If ever, even if everything feels desperate, this is still true: that we can rejoice in the Lord and take joy in salvation. <laughs> and I, I wrote this, this. I wrote this all down in my journal. I wrote down these verses. This was on on a a Sunday, I think, in February last year. On a Sunday. And uh, I wrote down, and I I was cross that all these things we've been praying for as a church, things we've been praying for as a family, that God hadn't been, seemingly, for what I could see, that God hadn't been answering them. And what had kind of become symbolic in my head for all these kind of unanswered prayers, all these frustrations, was our bike, our backfeets that had been stolen. Because I've been praying, God, you either need to give us our bike back, or you need to provide the money that we can buy a new one. And we've been praying, so this is October that, that, happened, that we got stolen, this is now February, I've been praying again and again, and nothing, 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 praying, 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 nothing. And the thing is, each year in this city, something like 50,000, 60,000 bikes are stolen every year, and they, the number that are found by police is about seventy. 70, right? 70 out of 50,000. So not many, right? In comparison, and the number of backfeets that get recovered because they're quite expensive and valuable is close to zero. (laughs) They just don't find them. And then two days after I wrote this, I wrote this on a Sunday. On a Tuesday, we got a phone call from the police saying we found your bike. I was like. No, you haven't. <laughs> so I went to see it. You, have, you know those films when, when they take you, the person, into the morgue and there's like, you know, the body under the sheet and they pull it over and you have to identify the body? It was like that, right? They take you into this room. Seriously. You go into this room and there was, there was under the sheet <laughs> they pulled it back. Is that your bike, So I was like, yes, it is my bike. <laughs> it's my bike. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I was I, 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 I kind of said thank you very much and, and I got on it and I rode home and I was I don't know what people thought I was like yes I was right I got home screaming I didn't care that there were two flat tires. like I don't know how I got home <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy um and sometimes that's what that's what God does in your life he takes you to a a, a low ebb a, a hard place not because God's trying to punish you but because he wants you to trust in him. Yeah. And, he, and he wants you to say, I can't, I can't do it. Like I've got, I've got nothing. But I'm, I want to still do this. <laughs> Even though I've got nothing, I want to do this. And that's kind of where I'd got to. And, and all of a sudden, we found our bike. And then God began to bless us as a, a church. And I, I don't know how these things are connected in the plans of God. But God began to bless us. So in, in January last year, with 24 people was our kind of average attendance. Uh, that's us at the Mirror Centre. And then January this year, that, that's how many people have been coming to church? 75 people. That's three times as many. And you think, what's going on? Do, have we been doing anything different? Not really. But God seems to have started to move. We had uh, even in May last year, we had one small group. I like big numbers. Look, there we go. We've, we've now got four. I know that says five, but that's because we're about to launch a fifth small group in a couple of weeks. And, you know, numbers numbers aren't everything, but they give an indication of what God's been doing amongst us and that God's faithful to us. Um, So as well this evening, I wanted to give you just some practical info just about our kind of finances and budget uh, just to kind of keep you guys up to speed. Because I know many of you will give financially into the life of the church, so it's helpful for us just to report back about how that's been happening, so the, the blue over here, that's 2015, and that's kind of monthly giving amounts of like the, the back half of 2015, because basically we opened a bank account for the church then, and then we had kind of five months where people started to give money, and then obviously the, the yellow is then 2016, and the, the important thing is the kind of the blue line, which is going up, which is a good thing. So we can see that's, that's your generosity to us, so thank you very much very much. Um, And then, so uh, our income in 2016 was, this might be small, you might not be able to read that, but it was 48,000 euros. That's how much money we got in, and we spent 47,000. So look, we had a little surplus there of 1,000 euros, and and a big chunk of that was the regular giving of you guys. We got some one-off donations from people that that helped provide for us as a church as well. Um, But looking ahead into 2017 our budget for this church is is a lot bigger we're going to send you out those of you who are kind of committed to us some more details of what this looks like Um, but for instance this this venue itself costs twice as much as the venue we were in before to hire it so our our budget for this coming year is about 40 percent greater than that so we've got some big kind of financial challenges ahead of us so if you're already giving to us um, uh, you know, a monthly amount or maybe every now and again, thank you, thank you so much. That's, you've really blessed us. You're giving into the mission of the church. We really appreciate that. Um, maybe you might wanna go away and just consider, I mean, Joe and I need to do that. Consider how much we're giving. Um, consider maybe, to, I was talking about last week about cheerfully giving. Can we cheerfully give some more? And maybe if you're not giving to us, then maybe consider getting involved. And you might think, well, I'm a student, I don't have any money, or just if it's like a euro a week, brilliant. 10 euros, wonderful. All right? The amount really isn't important, but I could, I talked about this a lot last week, so I won't go into it anymore, but it's a, a brilliant first step to take, even just in learning to trust God and to be obedient to Him. So let's just go back quickly to this this passage. John's, John 10, so the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, I guess that's kind of the nub of what I've trying to been say to us this evening, is um, there's this kind of lie in our city that we live in um, that comes to, steal and kill and destroy. Um, And we're here to bring a very different message. We're here to tell a very different story. And uh, I was reading a book recently that said, uh, it said revolutions happen when assumptions are challenged. When you challenge assumptions, kind of commonly held beliefs and ideas. So there's a whole set of kind of commonly held beliefs and ideas in our city. And what we get to do is just challenge them. The, the idea that you can gain freedom from just following your own dreams, desires, your own plans, we can challenge that and say, actually, I'm not sure that's the way. I'm not sure that's how you find freedom. I'm not sure that's how you find liberty. And you might find that you might think that revolution sounds a bit strong, but if you read the book of Acts, you know if you want to learn about if you if you want to learn about church planting about starting a new church, which is what we're doing, all of us, we're involved in that. If you, want to learn, if you want a manual, go read the book of Acts. That's what they did, they planted churches. In Acts 17, you get this crowd of them that go to Thessalonica, and, uh, and the, the people of the city kind of get angry at them, and they're, they're saying, you're the, people that, you're the people that are turning the world upside down. And that's what the church is supposed to do. All those assumptions, all those ideas, is just to turn them upside down and show that Jesus is better. And we get to, all of you guys get to play a part in that. And you might think, what does that, do we need big banners and placards? Do we need to go and kind of start a riot somewhere? What are we gonna do? It doesn't have to be that crazy, because I read this quote this week, which is helpful by this guy, Stanley Hurst, I don't know how to say his name. He said, to be a, his name doesn't matter, to be a Christian, it does not mean that we are to change the world, but we must live as witnesses to the world that God has changed. You see, it's not, it's not about us going and changing the world but realizing that through what Jesus has done for us, he's already told the world completely upside down and we get to tell this beautiful new story of what he is and as, as a church, as a people, as a community, we get to live out this, we get to present to the city this kind of new version of what this city can be like, this better version of what community can be like, of what life can be like. We get to display something to the city as a people together and how we love for one another, how we care for one another. We get to be this kind of living testimony of who Jesus is. So if I wanted to to give you some things to do of how we tell a new story, first of all, why don't you join one of our small groups? Look at these great people, hey? Yeah, there you go. So we, <laughs> we have five small groups that meet every week. Um, so there's Tom and Chloe in the middle. Yay! Don't read anything to the fact that they're in the middle. Um, and then, uh, uh, so they meet in uh, North Demon, Um and then Derek and Elizabeth up in the <laughs> top right there, Bud Hoverdorp. Now, I've noticed there's a, there's a bit of a problem. These are old pictures. So Derek now has a beard. Right, he's sitting at the back. And Tom doesn't have a beard. <laughs> it's not a co- Maybe, I don't know. Is it a coincidence? Who knows? It's not. Bad. I'll stop talking. Uh, up in the top left, uh, Rich and Chantel. <laughs> Amy the DePipe. Simon and Lottie, bottom <laughs> left. Indima, And then Jess and Ludo. <laughs> yeah. They're about to start a brand new small group. Uh, not this week, but the week after. So... If if you want to get involved in the life of this church, if you want to help start a revolution in this city, a very simple practical step is just to get involved in community life. And that might seem a bit bland and a bit boring, but it's a brilliantly radical thing to do. (laughs) To commit yourself to a group of people, to share your life with them, to build family together with a whole community of people is a wonderfully radical thing to do. And as you do that people around you will be interested and they'll see that and think wow you guys really love each other you guys really care for each other I want to be involved in that so join one of our small groups some cards at the back you can fill in if you want to get involved in that I've already talked about giving to the church serving you know getting involved in in, in uh, making Sundays here happen this this Sunday service right this is this is a, this is a, a front door to our city, to come in and to explore God. It's not just a a meeting just for Christians to come and gather. Obviously, many of us will be Christians. But if you've got friends who don't know Jesus, invite them in. Please feel very comfortable and at home to invite them in. And if you think, I can't invite them in because what we do is too weird or I don't understand, then just come and tell me and say this bit about what we do is a bit weird. Because we want to make this... Uh, We we wanna create an environment where people from all sorts of different backgrounds can come in and feel at home, and feel welcomed, and feel loved, and can come and explore what we believe. And we're gonna still preach what we believe passionately, we're gonna sing passionately about what we believe, but feel free to invite people in, and come and serve, come and get involved. Um, Whether it's kids work, or welcoming people on the door, serving tea and coffee, setting up all the stuff, Please, we need people, so come and get involved with us. And then finally, pray. We keep praying, we will keep praying. And uh, the first Tuesday of every month, uh, we don't have any small groups and we gather all together and we pray. Um, And that's this Tuesday. So if you wanna get involved and come and pray with us, you're very welcome. We'll be meeting in our apartment. I can let you know where that is and we will pray together. Um, And now, why don't we, it's nearly nine o'clock, so why, it would be great if we could just stand together. Often when we gather, we would take communion together. We're not gonna do that this week. Um, but I thought it might be great just, um, just to pray. So let me do that. Why don't you just close your eyes if you're happy to do that. God, we, we, we thank you that you've called us to this city, Lord. And it, for some people in this room, that might be a surprise. They might think, well, God didn't call me here. I just, I'm just here. I just chose to be here but God has called you here for a purpose and um, I really want to say to you that part of that is to be part of this family, this community and build something, the Bride of Christ, Jesus Church, to build it and see it established in this city and be a, a, a light that shines through this city, displays the Glory of Jesus. That's what we want the church to be. God, I pray for everybody here that you would right now even speak to us again, call us again into your mission, your plan. Lord, Lord, I don't want it to be that this church is, you know, four or five zealots and everybody else just watching. That's not church. (laughs) We want a whole family, a whole community of people who are desperately in love with you yeah. and desperately wanna tell this city about you because why wouldn't we? <laughs> You've captured our hearts. Of course we're gonna tell people about you. on, we wanna pray for our city and we, want, we do want this city to find true liberty, yes. not just in a big generic sense for individuals. We want many, many people in this city to find freedom in you, Jesus Christ where they're searching after all sorts of things, running after all sorts of different gods, we know that you're the way, the truth, the life. You're the resurrection and the life. You're the bread of life. All those I ams, they're so true. They're so beautiful. We want our city to know that. We pray for this place. We pray for us. Help us, Father. Add more workers to come and join us. Help us to reach the city. We pray. Why don't you just uh, just take a moment before God, and just maybe just even if you're not sure, maybe even just ask Him the question, God, what, why am I here? Why have You brought me to this city? Why am I here this evening? Maybe God might just want to speak to you even now and say, This is why you're here. Well, we, we believe that the church is, when we read the book of Acts, we do see this revolutionary movement of people who gave everything to follow you, gave everything to build your church. And we don't want to just accept a kind of watered down version of church life. We don't want to accept a watered down version of our own lives. We want to live for something greater than ourselves. For something bigger, more beautiful, we want to live for serving this bride, your church. We want to, We want to, Everybody in this city to know life and life abundant. And we pray, God, you'd help us to be revolutionaries in this city, in that we just we, in that we we stay 100% committed to you. We don't say, well, these bits of the Bible we're just gonna ignore, mm. but we stay, uh, uh, we stay committed to your words, committed to what you've said. Yeah. Even if it's unpopular, mm. we want to be revolutionary in saying we're gonna live by a, a different plan. We're not gonna accept this world's values. We want to follow your way. Yes. The, the early Christians were called followers of the way. We want to follow your way, Jesus. Yes. We want to build a, a revolutionary <laughs> movement in this city that affects all sorts of different, we want, that goes into the darkest corners of this city, that goes into the farthest places in this city, that reaches all those 180 different nations in this city, It reaches people from all ages, all backgrounds. We wanna see this beautiful church established here. And God, we freely admit that without you, this is all just a silly dream. It is, it's just nonsense. But with you, Father, it's wonderfully possible. So we pray in faith. We thank you for what you've done, even over this last year. And we pray for more, Father. It's not just about numbers and money. It's about seeing lives changed. And we pray, help us to see many more lives changed, we ask in this year, Father. Brilliant. Let me just pray briefly again, we could keep going. <laughs> Father, we, we do wanna be uh, committed to you, Father, and I pray for each of us in this room. You'd help us just to hear you and follow you. And uh, we, we, we thank you, it's, it's, uh, it's so important to be committed to a family. And I pray you'd uh, uh, just help each of us to commit to this family just to say, I want to be part of this. And even if it's painful sometimes, even if I don't like some other people all of the time, I pray you'd help us just to commit to this and to serve you by serving this church. Amen.